Welcome to the Healthpreneur Show with Uriel Kine. We're so glad you're here. Every episode, we're going to bring advice and conversations with experts that will help you grow your health business. Let's dive in. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Yuri here with you once again. I am excited to introduce you guys to a new friend. Her name is Nikki Bergen. Uh, apparently she lives not too far away, which is always nice. And in case you don't know who she is, she's the creator of the Bell Method and the Bump Method Incorporated. She's an expert trainer with a passion for helping women feel confident and strong throughout pregnancy, postpartum, and beyond. And she's got a really cool story that I'm sure we can get into, but Without any further ado, welcome to the Healthpreneur Show, Nikki. Thank you so much for having me. This is going to be good. Yeah. So I love when I was when I was checking out your website. I love how you've been able to take uh, something you discovered and created a bit of a, a what I'll call a proprietary methodology around that. Mm-hmm. And you've created the Bell Method and all that kind of stuff. And, and talk to me about how that started and tell our audience about how you really how you brought that to life from you know. From nothing. from nothing. That's what we do, right? We take ideas and turn them into yeah, something. It's true. Yeah. It's true. Okay. So I'll give you the, the shorter Reader's Digest version, um, if you will, because it's a long story. But essentially, I, um, I ended up injuring my knee. I was a dancer and I had always loved to dance and, you know, turned into a job for me in my mid-20s. And I started getting knee pain. And it was really weird because I hadn't had any of the history of it. Long story short, it turns out that I had been developing really tight IT bands, which is essentially um, because I was wearing ballroom dance shoes 24-7 all day long and high heel shoes on your feet for 10 hours a day will do that to you. So long story short, I discovered Pilates, fell in love with the movement methodology, and um, I decided to explore it more. And I ended up getting certified. And I think at the time I was about 24 And as soon as I finished my certification, typically most teachers will go and try to get a job at a studio, but I had already worked at a dance studio for many years and I wanted to try something different. I was ready for a change. And I also was making zero money at the dance studio and I was selling really, really expensive ballroom dance programs. We're talking 10, $20,000 worth of dance lessons. And I was making not even enough to feel like I could move out of my mom's house. So I was not in a good place in my mid twenties. And I was frustrated by this back up a little bit too. I have a business degree from McGill. So I have a marketing background and I still was always drawn to movement. I just didn't want to, you know, become like a brand manager at Unilever. I was like, no, I'm going to follow my passion, but it was having a hard time making it work for me monetarily. Anyhow. So I graduate from my police program. I'm now 20, probably 25 at the time. And um, I decided, you know what, I'm going to go to the CanFit Pro trade show and get a big piece of Pilates equipment. So I got the floor model. I got a deal. And this is like five grand worth of equipment. Um, But I got it for a good deal, like I said. And I ended up cold calling a bunch of sport medicine clinics being like, hey, do you offer Pilates? And a lot of them were like, no. And it didn't take me long to find someone who wanted to add that to their services. Listen, no risk to you. We'll percentage split. I'm going to show up. I have the equipment. Do you have the space? And it took me like a couple of days and they were like, yep, come on over. That's so awesome. it was great in hindsight because I started feeling like I had my own little business. And it also was great because 
frankly, I was in over my head. So I'm graduated, I'm brand new. And all of a sudden my client roster is like a high firefighter with a herniated disc and like people in physio, someone who just had a car accident, someone with osteoporosis, someone who had a, a rod in their spine from scoliosis surgery. Like I had to learn so much so quickly and everyone around me was smarter than me. So it allowed me to learn super fast. And I would study like before, every time I got a new client, I would look at their records the night before and literally crash course study, how can I best serve and help this person? So I did that for a while. And then inevitably people's insurance ran out and they were like, I can't afford privates with you anymore, but I really want to keep working with you. Can you do a group class? And so I thought, well, of course I can. So I created, and this is really the foundation of the methodology because now I pretty much do 95% group classes. I basically tried to create choreography from dance, which is my background, Pilates, and then physical therapy. So I merged them all together to create a much more affordable group class option for people who otherwise couldn't necessarily afford to keep going to privates, right? So that's how it started. And then from there, and, and literally, if I give you like a, a bit of a visual here, the clinic would close at, at like 7 p.m., and I would go ahead and, and it's a sport medicine clinic with all these tables. I would push the tables to the side and we would create like a space in the middle of the sport clinic and everybody would come for their group class once the clinic doors closed. Like and an I did that. Hours for, club. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I did it for like probably a year. And then I realized I needed to rent space. I was like, okay, like classes are growing. I need to keep, I need to do this. And so that's sort of how it happened. And then from there, it organically grew. I, I was seeing more and more women pregnant and I realized that they needed their own thing. I couldn't continue to modify. Like it was just, it was getting a little crazy having all these different people with different issues in classes. So I mm -hmm. broke it up into Bell, which is sort of for the general population and then the bump prenatal and postnatal. And Bell is from the French word Bell. Is that the- Yes, beautiful. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, cool. That's great. I love how you took this. Is, this is such a great analogy, like a great example of, of kind of taking the ingredients that you have. So you took the dance, the physio, the Pilates, and you blended it together to create your own unique methodology, which I think is awesome so that you're just not another Pilates instructor as an example. Right. And I think that's so great. Thank you. Yeah. It was, it was also just a feeling of, you know, a lot of times I like to kind of break the rules. I guess I'm maybe a lot of entrepreneurs are probably inherently rule breakers, but yep. I was sort of, when you graduate and you do your exam for Pilates, they make you memorize the choreography in a particular order. It has to be cued a particular way. And I mean, let's be honest, if you as a teacher teach, you know, five to eight clients a day and you repeat the same thing all the time, you're going to get so bored, yeah. so bored. And so I had to find a way to make this, a appropriate for everybody, but also interesting and fun. So we do it to music. It's much more interesting. It's much more, you know, you're going to work harder. Even studies show you that if you play music, when you're working out, you're going to work harder and longer. Totally. I can't work out without music. <laughs> like that's like my go-to. I can't, it's yeah. just my thing. Uh, if I'm meditating, you know, silence, but working out for sure. Yeah. So I love the fact that you had the courage to cold call a bunch of clinics yeah <laughs> like when you started like is that something you've always had or is it you're just like i'm just gonna do this like what's the worst that could happen like talk to me about that mindset i think that i mean yeah i've, I've been it, it, 
I think it's also in my personality. I understand that it could be hard to cold call the bunch of people, but like you just hang up and try again. You know, like what's there's really it wasn't a really big risk for me to do that mm-hmm. personally. Um, so yeah, I just decided that, you know, I've I've even I remember being, you know, a university student and needing to get a job. And I would just walk in Montreal where I was living. I went to McGill. I would just like carry my little resume. This is before the days of like wanting to email your resume, right? I'd be like, hey, you hiring? Here's my resume. And like go apply for a job as a waitress or a bartender. So I had practice doing that. And if they said, no, we're not, we're not hiring anyone. I think the key is to remember, don't take it personally. Just go to the next place, you know? Yeah, totally. No, I think it's great. I think like being able to sell yourself is such an important skill that like whether you're looking to date someone or apply for a job or sell an idea, it's, that's huge. Is that something that when you went to McGill for, for business school, did you find that to be something that was developed through that process? Or did you find there was a lot of translation of that education into what you're doing now? I love that question. Um, I don't think that we were certainly, there were no classes on how to sell yourself. Which is crazy. <laughs> there should be, but totally. they don't exist. Yeah. I mean, my, my, I did a combo, a double major in marketing and psychology. So I definitely enjoy figuring out what makes people tick. And I've had this penchant for psychology for my whole life. Yeah. Um, but we were taught more about, you know, God, I'm trying to think of what we were taught. It was certainly not as, as concrete as, you know, how do you make a good impression in an interview? Um, so read the question again, because it was such a great question. And I feel like there was, I had another answer for you. <laughs> yeah. The question was, did what you learn in school, considering you went to school for like marketing and psychology, yeah. translate into the real world of business that you now Okay. Run? Yeah. I, I think for sure it's given me, I think in some ways having that education has certainly given me a degree of confidence to talk business. Mm-hmm. I have to say most Pilates instructors I know did not get a BCom. Most Pilates instructors I know have more of like a, maybe they have a BFA or they studied dance or they went to theater school. They were more in the arts. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm coming from a place of like, you know, understanding how to balance a balance sheet because of my schooling, right? So I think that has helped me tremendously being in a more creative artistic field, but having the background. So I, th- so I think that does differentiate me in many ways. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's, it's a great foundation to have. I tell anyone, like any accountants who become like business owners, I'm like, that's a great foundation to have because yeah. most business owners have no clue of their numbers. And I was that guy like years and years ago. I'm like, yeah, whatever. And then the tax bill comes around, you're like, oh, so it's like, and, and you bring up such a good point where in the space where, you know, the stereotype has been more airy, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. it's very easy to lose track of why you're doing this, which is obviously to help people, but you also have to make a profit, right? Because otherwise you can't stay around very long, right? Yeah. No, I think of money as energy, quite yeah. frankly. I think it, that's really what it is. And there's so much... I've been watching a lot of TED Talks lately just because I need mental. I've got two young kids at home and I feel sometimes I need to, you know, watch yeah. watch TV um, in a way that's going to make my brain feel like it's learning again. So, um, yeah, I have to say I'm watching a lot of these things and they talk about money mindset. They talk about why is it that we often make poor choices with our finances. And there's so much to dive into there. But I think we need to really explore how we were raised because I think that has a huge impact 
on the way we relate to money. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was raised by it. My mom also owns her own business, which I think is huge. And my grandmother owned her own business. So maybe it's in my DNA. I'm not sure. But I was always raised with this belief that be your own boss, be financially dependent. Money is is a good thing. Like, you know, if you want more, go make more. Like it was more of that. It was never like, a, oh, you know, it's the, the phrases like filthy rich or the phrases like, um, oh, those people and us or we can't afford it. It was like, okay, if you want to go get it, I'll give you an example. I wanted to snowboard when I was 13. And my mom was like, you just got skis for Christmas last year. You can go buy your own snowboard. <laughs> so I had to. I had to save some money and figure out how to do that. And I did it. I still have that snowboard in my garage. I can't let it go. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, you probably appreciate it so much more as well because yeah. you, you had to work for it. You, there's more value to the dollars you made. And now it's like, this is my snowboard. You know, like there's that sense of ownership. Totally. totally. Yeah. And that's, that's something that I'm very, um, I think looking back on my life, it was very similar, but it's also something I'm trying to instill in my kids. Mm-hmm. You know, like one of our guys put a hole in the wall because he got pissed off one day and he like opened the door a little bit too aggressively. So the handle went through the drywall and he's six. And I told him, I'm like, you're paying for that. Right. That's so I'm like, I, I don't know when, like whenever you start making money, like you <laughs> actually, like not us giving you an allowance, but when you actually start earning those dollars, Mm-hmm. whether it's in 10 years from now, uh, you're going to get the bill for that because they have to <laughs> learn, right? Like we all have to learn, take yeah. responsibility for your life, right? Yeah, it's true. I'm not, I mean, I have a two and a half year old and an eight month old, but I'm going to have to take a page from your book when the time comes. <laughs> I'm, um, I can be a hard ass on my kids sometimes. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's good, but also like, you, you know, sometimes you just have to let it go. Um, but I do think, like, I think you, know, you talked about it, having that upbringing, it definitely makes a big difference because if you grew up in that environment versus, um, a different environment, that's more scarcity based or money doesn't grow on trees, exactly. then, like we can certainly overcome that, but it's just so much more challenging. Right. It is, it is for sure. And I think there's also a lot of, as you mentioned, lessons that we can learn from feeling that sense of accomplishment that look, I can, I can actually contribute. I can go out and make money and be, you know, financially responsible. And I think if you start to see yourself in that way, it gives you more confidence to take risks in business. Because if you fail, we all are inevitably going to fail, right? We're going to fail, but it's about how quickly can you pick yourself back up and how much do you believe in your capacity to overcome that failure and just move on and learn from it? Yeah. How do you view failure? How do you view embarking upon something where there's no certainty of an outcome? I mean, it's an, it's like anything. There's always, always a risk reward kind of scenario. And then I do think, if I'm honest, I do make a lot of decisions from my gut also. So, and that's a learned skill. So I've yeah. learned to trust that in addition to looking at the information. All we can do is make the best decision with the information we have at the time. I have made some mistakes. I went through three web designers and lost tens of thousands of dollars, for example, trying to build a new website. And most of my business now, especially with COVID, is all online. So my website's everything. But I knew, I was like, it's a, it's like, you know what, I screwed up, but like, like, I can't continue to throw good money after bad. You have to know when to cut your losses and move on and find something that's going to suit you better. And that was hard. I felt really, I was angry at myself. I'm like, I should have known better. Why did I go with this firm? You know, and I think a lot of us have stories like this where we're just like, ugh. But it's also, I think, the ability to 
to really psychologically pivot and say, you know what, like that, that was a bad call, but like you've learned and now, you know, don't try to go cheap on your website, (laughs) you know? Cheapest option is always the most expensive one. Exactly, exactly. And so I actually, you know, I I balked. I would have balked at the cost when I got the quote from the third firm, but I was like, nope, I'm going to do it. And I am so happy I invested. It's it's paid me back tenfold. Yeah, yeah, totally. So when you talk about trusting your gut, kind of that, that intuition, is that I've noticed, and maybe this is different or the same for you, I've noticed that that's a very common trait among highly self-aware leaders, right? Mm-hmm. Where they just make mistakes, sorry, they make um, decisions based on the fact that they feel this is the right thing for them to do mm-hmm. with the information that they have. And a lot of times I feel like in my case, that comes from having experience mm-hmm. and reference points to kind of lean on. Mm-hmm. Is that the same for you or is that something you kind of just kind of always felt? I think it's both. I mean, I have certainly made bad judgment calls (laughs) by following my gut. Like, oh, that was wrong. Lesson learned moving on, whether it's business or whether it's dating. (laughs) But um, but yeah, I think it's a combination. Certainly experience has helped me tremendously. um, And I and I use it more and more. And it gives you a sense of a little bit more confidence to ride out, you know, the the scarce months or the scarce times and know that, you know, better times are coming and also to look at things that you could be doing differently to better serve your customer. Um, but yeah, for me, I think I have to answer your question. I think it's a combination of both. It's definitely gut and intuition based. Um, and it's hard to describe that, to put your finger on it, but you get that feeling, you know, like that the hairs are standing up on the back of your neck or it's an instant, like, I feel like I can really trust you and let's do this. Yeah. So yeah, it's a, it's a hard thing to define. It is tricky because I think where there's there can be some gray areas where you talk about like trusting your gut, but at the same time, mm-hmm. sometimes that gut can be like wrenched with like anxiety and doubts and like mm-hmm. fear. So it's kind of finding that like, this is my higher self telling me this is the right thing to do or my intuition. Mm-hmm. But then this is my body telling me like, I'm scared, I'm anxious, which could also be the same feelings as feeling excited. It's true. So, yeah. So you're saying, how do you differentiate the two? <laughs> yeah. And so kind of going back to this idea of like self-awareness of like knowing which is which almost to understand, like if your body is fearful, that's not your gut. That's maybe your somatic body, if that makes sense. Yeah. Oh yeah. You're talking my language now as a Pilates instructor. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm fortunate that I'm very in tune with my body. Um, and so I know like if I'm getting that feeling you know, is it like stage fright? Like I used to have before going on stage or is it like, this is wrong. Like, yeah. you know, the sky is about to fall. Um, and I think it's, there is a difference between that butterflies and I'm excited and this is good. And that feeling of dread. I think for me, the differentiator would be something like dread where you're just energetically like not into it and you're feeling forced to do something, or if you start to catch yourself feeling resentful, then I think that's a different type of butterfly feeling than, oh my God, I'm getting out of my comfort zone. I'm growing. This is a big deal. Yeah. It's such a fine line. And I think it's such a cool journey to, to walk, to kind of better tune into like are those feelings because it just helps us make better decisions and become better leaders. Because as you mentioned, like we do have to get out of our comfort zone. But understanding like 
what's the difference between that and feeling like completely dreadful about what could possibly happen. So I think that's a, a nice distinction. Good. What was for you 2020 COVID, obviously things changed with uh, lockdowns and like social distancing. Mm-hmm. How are you able to adapt and pivot? So I was, this is a fun, fun thing. I was about 34 weeks pregnant during the original lockdown. So I have a baby that was born in May, 2020. So I have a COVID baby. Um, And uh, in March, less than two months before he was born, all of the classes, we had 12 classes across the city of Toronto in different studios. And I was just starting to get a bunch of signups for our, we call it our spring session was going to be running from March all the way to June. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, that's probably not going to happen anymore. Quick, like figure it out. These students, you need to continue to service them. You don't want to lose them. So I basically was just like, what do I do? Okay, let's do it. Let's do Zoom. Let's see how that works. I had no idea if it was going to work, Um, but I also was like, well, I can't, we got to try. We got to see if we can retain some of them. I refunded tens of thousands of dollars. I can tell you that, which wasn't fun because people were like, I don't like Zoom. I want to meet you in studio, you know? And a lot of people understood. And a lot of people were like, you know, they still wanted to do the classes. And I was like, we can't, like, it's not up to me. Um, And so, yeah, there was a big refund. It was very stressful. Refunded a lot of money. And then, um, basically was like did a bunch of free classes on Instagram to kind of gauge interest had a huge turnout so that gave me encouragement to be like there's an appetite and I've never Yuri been more thankful for having a niche because I have such a very specific niche that I think has really helped me stay in business Mm -hmm. because people are coming to me primarily for specific expertise. And at this stage, my most popular class is for pregnancy and my second most popular class is postpartum recovery. So these are not generic Pilates classes that a lot of people can find, frankly, for free online. This is like a guided step-by-step course that I am teaching people. And since May, I have changed some resources. I've created a login. So we're people who are my students now from all over the world can log in and get downloadable. It's like a course, downloadable worksheets and PDFs. And these are things that I didn't have before, before I was just showing up to the studio, teaching them and leaving. And now it's like, no, you're going to get course materials. You're going to get, so I had to add value. I was taking away the value of me being in person, but I had to add value somewhere else. That's awesome. I loved how you talked about kind of being the specialist, right? Because it's very easy to get caught in the wave of just everyone else. And that's such a great example of like, people want to work with the, no one's typing into Google, uh, mediocre uh, <laughs> Pilates instructor. Like they're, they're typing in best Pilates instructor for postpartum as an example, mm-hmm. right? And if you can be that person, as you just showed, like you can really ride the waves up and down. And I think that's a, a really great example of that. So thanks for sharing that, Nikki. Um, I'm grateful. I'm very grateful that I have that niche, like I said. Yeah. So it was, it was worth it to put the energy into social media before COVID, that's for sure. <laughs> totally. And w- eventually, once things open up again, um, how does the business change? Does it change? Do you go back into in-person mostly, or is it online? Is it a combination of both? I was, pri- before, I was probably doing 90% in-person and now I'm doing 100% online. Yep. So it's never going to go back to the way it was. I can tell you that. Um, Cause I've noticed that it's just so much available, right? 
to be able to do it online. And also I love being able to help people outside of the GTA where we live in Toronto. Mm -hmm. I've got so many students from around the world, which is, is awesome to know that they don't necessarily, we in, in Toronto, we have tons of, of options. There's people who live in small towns and cities, countries around the world that don't have a plethora of options. Yeah. And so I'm happy to be able to offer that to them. So, I mean, yeah, I think I definitely would, I do miss teaching in person. So I am going to that, but you know, even if I teach two classes a week, I'd be happy to do that in person and the rest online. Yeah, that's great. So good. Nikki, this has been awesome. Before we finish off, what's the best place for our listeners and viewers to follow you online? They can follow me at the Bell Method, spelled B-E-L-L-E, um, at, on Instagram. And they can also check out the website, thebellmethod.com. Perfect. We'll, uh, we'll link up to the show notes, uh, link up to those in the show notes for you guys. Uh, Nikki, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for joining me. And we've only just scratched the surface, but I thank you for peeling back the curtain and sharing a piece of your journey with us. Oh, thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us on the Coach's Corner. If you didn't know, inside of our private Facebook group, the Healthpreneur Hub, Yuri's show, The Coach's Corner, happens live every single morning with one goal, to help you grow your health business. If you want to hear more of The Coach's Corner, then click the link in the show notes to join the Healthpreneur Hub on Facebook for free. And if you want to know the four-step system that predictably fills a health business with qualified, ready-to-buy clients, we want to send you an invite to our free online masterclass. You can find that masterclass at healthpreneurgroup.com slash show or by clicking the link in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next time on the Healthpreneur Show with Yuri Okine.